You're listening to the podcast of River of Life Christian Fellowship in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. All right. Thank you, Father. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you in this place. We acknowledge you. We honor your presence. Holy Spirit, you're the great teacher. I ask that you teach us. Open the eyes of our understanding. We acknowledge your word. We acknowledge your presence. Thank you, Father. Everybody just take a real deep breath. Fill all your lungs. Hold it just for a fraction of a second and just release it nice and slowly. Thank you, Father. Everybody just say thank you. Thank you. Amen. All right. This... uh. This evening we're going to talk about something that's, that's uh, hard for most people but just because of the way we're raised and trained and the world we live in. But most of us uh, really don't know what it's like to experience somebody without doing... We can't experience something or somebody without doing something or them doing something. We feel we've got to be doing something to experience something, saying something to experience something. I thought it was just, I mean, usually the air conditioners are always running in this building. And right when I wanted it to be still and quiet, the air conditioner goes off. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? Yeah. I really wanted it just to be, and I was just ready for the air conditioner to be running because you're used to hearing them. And you wanna, but it went off. It was like there's this hush. And that's exactly what we're talking about, is that, that we really... You ever get around somebody, and if five minutes go, go by, uh, you feel like you've got to say something if nothing's said, or you've got to move something. You've got to make some type of... Uh, you know, you're sitting in a car with somebody you really don't know. Being quiet is a terrible thing. Your mind's going crazy. Your mind's racing, wondering what they're thinking about. And you're thinking about, well, maybe they're thinking about what I'm thinking about. And uh, you just go, I mean, your imagination is going crazy. Because we just don't know what it's like. We don't know how to experience even one another. I mean, you know, husbands and wife. You know, you're driving on a long trip. You know, it's like, you know, there's been times we'll be driving a long time and nothing's being said. And Joyce say, are you mad at me? (laughs) Because I hadn't said nothing, you know. It's like, no, well, you hadn't said nothing. You know, it's like we get uncomfortable in silence because we feel or we're trained, our psyche is trained to be doing something. You can't just sit. You know when you're in love back in the day, okay, and you're just on the phone, not saying nothing, yeah. but you're connected. 
Now, why could you do it then? Well, that's exactly right. I know, and then you fall asleep with the phone in your ear. And that was when you had the cord. But see, there was a comfortableness. There wasn't this pre, like, I've got to do something to earn this person's acceptance. I've got to do something to show them my love. They have to do something to show me their love. If they're not showing me something that they, how they love me, they must not love me. All these things, you know what I'm saying, go through our mind because our heart is conditioned to be in a world of works. We can't just be still and know that He is God. You got it. That's what it means to be still without doing any works. That means you don't have to perform for God. See, this is a preach. You don't, and this, this, this is a heart physics class, and so this is getting down some real internal issues. We've got to learn how we can just be in God's presence without doing anything. See, what happens is we take the way we've related to mankind out here, bring it into our spiritual life, and begin to relate to God the same way. We feel like we've got to be doing something to show God we love Him. Because we can't experience... Matter of fact, when we come into church, people, unless they do something, they don't think they can experience God. Or unless something's happening in church, we haven't experienced God. Unless there's so many of these and three words and five healings and, and ten people at the altar and three get slain in the Spirit, God didn't show up. You see what I'm saying? We're so works-orientated... In, in our world situations that we can't experience God in, the, in His still... Be still and know that I am. Matter of fact, that word know we're going to talk about in a second, but just to be still, that means we don't have to, we shouldn't have to always be doing... Can anybody think of a New Testament story about two people that had, uh, or someone that was wrapped up in doing works. Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. Jesus was in the, pre- was in the house, and, and Martha was about, and the scripture says, I think it's in Mark eleven twenty-eight. Someone look it up real quick. Look up Mark first. I mean Luke, excuse me, Luke. Luke 11, did I say Mark? I meant Luke. Anybody got it? Just read it real quick. I don't have it. I should have. He said, more than that, whatever you ask in prayer. Is that the Mary Martha story? I've got to get in the Gospels first. 1038? Okay. Yep, 1038. Now it happened as they went that they had entered a, a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she said, she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. 
But Martha was distracted. Hear that? What was she distracted? She was distracted. She wasn't focused. She, she was supposed to be looking at something and something else got her attention. Okay? And she was distracted with much serving. So the work got in her way of her vision. What needed to be done or the doing that she was raised in, the training, the, the cycle, the she was a natural servant. There's nothing wrong with being a servant, is it? I thought we were called to serve. She was just being a servant. No, it's not about being a servant. It's not about serving. It's about doing what is needful. In this case right here, what was needful was not to relate to Jesus in a doing atmosphere, but to be able to be in His presence and do nothing. She was trying to serve the Lord. And and the thing is, is that Jesus wanted wants us to be in His presence and experience Him without having to do something to receive it or do something to get it because that's the way the world is. That's our natural, that's the way this world has made us. To be able to experience God without saying or doing anything. Being a servant is just not serving. Serving is doing what the Master has said. And the only way you're going to hear what the Master is... See, there's lots of things to do in church. There's lots of things to do, but what is the Master saying to do? Does everybody understand what I'm saying? We're out there trying to do the service without getting the instructions. And so we're busy. And that's why, again, in a still small voice, you know, uh, be still and know that I'm God. There is a knowing. There is a, a quickening. We need, to get our, we need to get our hearts in a place that we can literally... Matter of fact, most people that I talk to after they've grown in age and served the Lord for massive numbers of years, they will easily tell you that their prayer life has changed. Their prayer life when they were younger started talking about... They were always praying for themselves. And as they grew older, they, they could look back and see... How they don't pray as much the way they used to, but now they just enjoy sitting in the presence, just being quiet and being still. I find myself in prayer shutting up more than speaking now. Not because I'm old, just because I'm so wise and, you know, not just. <laughs> but, but it's really about. When you start realizing God's real heart intent is just to be with you and you with Him. And from that you'll hear the instructions of the Lord. Matter of fact, in, in, in Matthew chapter... Uh, Joy, what is it in the Message Bible? It's the same. 11, Matthew 11 where it talks about... Yep, yep, yep. Is that Matthew 11? Matthew 11, 28 and 30, somewhere in there. Oh, that's where I got the 11, 28. That's uh, 
Actually, in the Message Bible, it says, Are you tired, weary, burnt out on religion? Come with me. Follow me. In other words, just watch how I do it, meaning Jesus. Now, take a real rest. Stop what you're doing and just buddy up with me, walk with me, and I'll show you how to be at peace. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Again, that word yoke doesn't mean, I verified it again earlier today, that word, word yoke, yes, there is a yoke of oxen, a yoke for cattle and a yoke for work. Yes, that illustration's out there, but that's really not the illustration Jesus was using. Because a yoke was also the rules and regulations that the priesthood would, when they had a disciple, they would take their rules and regulations, and it was a, the same thing that hangs over when at graduation you have this strap that goes across there. It identifies what they, their standard of excellence and all the stuff they did. It's their yoke. And they put it on their disciple, and that's to remind them what they're, how they're supposed to walk and how they're supposed to follow. Jesus said, here, take my yoke. My yoke is easy. All the stuff you're required to do, one of the first things you're required to do is be still and know that I'm God. That's the first thing. Be still and know that. Hey, Charles! Packers. Good to see you, man. I missed you. It says, be still and know that I am God. That's one y'all know Charles is here. <laughs> he tried to sneak in, tipped up. You know, Charles is too big to sneak. Y'all know that. <laughs> Charles and I, we quit. We, we quit going skinny dipping a long time ago. We we go chunky dunking now. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what it has to do with class. Anyway, it's kind of funny. But anyway. <laughs> but his yoke, it means to be, the first thing on his yoke is learn, to quit, quit what you're doing. See, especially as Americans, we have to learn to retrain our psyche and our, our heart. Our heart is so geared with works. And really, we're supposed to be still and know that he is God. And when people walk in in church on Sunday... You know, most, 99.999% of the people are walking in wondering what they need to do, or what they haven't done, or what's go they're judging everything by the works that are going on instead of the presence of God that's here. Okay? And that is vital for our Christian growth for us to realize, and what we've been talking about with heart physics is getting past all of our stinking thinking, getting down to some real issues of heart, just so you can just picture yourself just sitting at the feet of Jesus or just doing nothing. Just being in His presence. We've said for years that Christians are trying to become something they already are. We're out there busy trying to become a Christian. We already are one. You can't become more in a Christian than you already are. There's no degrees or of Christian. There's not a Christian to the black belt Christian or a white belt Christian or a, there's no degrees. You either are one or you're not one. Period. And so it's not about us doing, but see, our psyche, our, 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 especially our American mentality is really built, meant on working and stuff like that. And that's really what we need to overcome and that's what we're trying to accomplish in heart physics is get us to a place that you can just be at peace and rest. It doesn't mean you're not going to do anything. It just means when you do it, it's going to be what God wants you to do. And you'll know when to quit. Matter of fact, you'll know when to be able to say no. Matter of fact, you'll have the power to say no next time someone's asked you to do something, except for me, because every time I ask you, you're supposed to say yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but but especially in churches, you know, we have a real, that's why I don't use guilt manipulation, but 
most churches use guilt manipulation to make people do what they need done, whether it's in that person's best benefit or not. It's in the churches. Oh, no, we're supposed to be here for the, you. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, we're supposed to be the ones that are sacrificing for you. So you can be peace and be still and just know that he's God. Right, you just said it, peace be still. Peace be still. <laughs> All right. Matter of fact, one of the things that you can do, and uh, I don't do this enough. I know Crystal's going to begin to start doing it. I was, I was talking to Crystal today, and this started, all this stuff I was thinking in the back of my head as I was talking to Crystal. Of course, I didn't tell her that. But she's going to start journaling and writing down her thoughts. In the morning, she's just going to, as, as she says, she's going to clear her head and just write down everything that comes through her mind and write it down just to get, just get it and get it out so new stuff can come in. You know, we come with so many preconceived ideas and thoughts in the church. We, no wonder we can't hear God. I, come up, I came up with a great illustration as Crystal and I was talking this afternoon. Uh, I, I may have to do it one of these. It may even be on Sunday. I don't know. But uh, just picture this big, big bucket of something. Say water. All right? And take another glass of something and have that glass full of something and dip in to get some water, guess what? If it's full and you dip in to get some water, what are you going to get? How much water are you going to get? None. Why? Your glass is full. Most Christians are walking around with a full glass. And they're wanting more. You can't contain it. You need to get rid of some of the stuff you got. It says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. We're not speaking. So our heart's full of whatever's in there, and we can't get any more in there because it's full of junk. We Get rid of it or, or get it out or use what you've been given. Uh, have so much love in your life that you're giving it away so you can get more. We got a garage full of stuff in boxes. You know, as long as you got two real nice lazy boy chairs, th th this is just a way to... You're not, God's not going to give you another one. You give one away, you got room for another one. You see what I'm saying? You, some of us are sitting there with all we need. Well, guess what? That's all you're going to get. Unless you give it away. We've got we to gotta learn to open up. We got all these judgments in our heart, in our mind, the way things are supposed to be. Get rid of them. Get them out so you can get something new. You know, the uh, well. And what if you? You know, I, I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I'm not. Like, yeah, yeah, you do. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, guess what? <laughs> and other clothes. <laughs> Just in case you go either way, you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But listen, by the time you're skinny, every time you're this over here, it's going to be out of style anyway, so not, just believe God for some new ones. Yeah, but style comes back later. 
Yeah, yeah. and we got boxes to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. I know. And, and, and my husband would say amen to this all over the place and say, well, let's listen to yourself. But that whole thing is a fear mentality, yeah. a fear of loss, a fear of I won't be able to get it again. A lack of. And, yeah, fear of lack. When Curtis's favorite, if we understood that the Lord is our shepherd, we'll never want. Yes. I yeah. can't throw away shoes. I know. <laughs> 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 you, you got a coupon. You had to have a coupon or a stamp to get a pair of shoes. And mother would say, with this pair back, because the next pair you got may not last as long, and you may have to Okay, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and step out on a limb here. Uh, I'm going to step out on a limb, and this is even recorded. Unless I shut it off. Okay. I'm going cha- <laughs> to challenge everybody in here. Gene, I heard this when you were speaking. Best thing you can do for yourself to begin in the process of believing God for the future. See, if you're keeping on something, keeping something for the future, you're not trusting God for it. Get rid of some of those shoes. It'll be the hardest thing you've probably done. And you probably, you probably won't believe the withdrawal that you'll have doing it. Like, I have some facts. I have bags of shoes. There's people that need them now. Mm-hmm. They come to my food pantry. And I think about it. I need to bring those shoes up here. <laughs> Can anybody hear what God's saying to Gene? Jane, you need to get in that still small voice. I'm not going to say quit cooking, but <laughs> get that still small voice. It's going to get louder because I know now it won't be God speaking. I'll... And, and I think each and every one of us need to find something in our life that we've been holding on to for the future and realize that you're not trusting God for the future as long as you hang on to it. You're limiting God to what you already have. So if I hide my ears, then I'm not responsible. I, I t- no, you just heard it and you live with me. <laughs> and see, that includes my fishing tackle. I'll throw my shoes away if you give some to your fishing tackle. Got it. <laughs> Got it. That's all right. He'll get some more from me. <laughs> see, Ed's going to give me his. I'm going to give him mine. And we'll, we'll go fishing together with each other. And he's our st- no, just kidding. He's our <laughs> but I, I think, see, where, where's Sandra at? We got some babies back there. In the nursery? Yeah. Want me to tell her to come out? Go, go replace her real quick. Whatever, just real quick. Y'all need to hear this. Oh, yes. I heard her. I heard it. Y'all need to hear this. No! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she is trying to get out of here. Thank you, Crystal. <laughs> May I give another illustration to you? Well, you sure can. Give us another illustration. My, my wife's brother, his son was a multimillionaire. And he came in, my, uh, her, her brother came in to me one day and, and uh, said, God will give us all of our our needs, not not all of our wants. And I looked at him and I said, "Brother, if 
if Eddie, that's well to do, well, both of them are well to do now. I said, if Eddie's children wanted something and they were being obedient to him, don't you think they'd get, he'd give it to them whether they really needed it or not? And if Eddie, by God's standards, is carnal and, and, and not near as, as willing to give as God is, shouldn't God? We, shouldn't we expect God to give us the, uh, the abundant blessings too? Mm-hmm. I think we put our... As long as we're walking with God, then the Word says that He'll put His desires in our heart for us to desire, and then He'll give it, He'll fulfill them. Right. They'll be His desires. Yeah. So if we're, if we're getting His desires put in our heart for us to want, mm-hmm. and we dismiss them as, well, that's just a want. Yeah, but that's if the case, because I believe what happens, a lot of times people... Uh, I, I believe God's desires are going to be made manifest to the level and the degree that God's Word washes our heart. The more the Word makes our heart clean and it gets renewed, the more we're going to understand what God's desires are. First of all, God's desire that He gives us is going to be for His Word. And then as His Word comes in, and as we desire and we start receiving the Word, and I don't mean coming to church, duh, 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 I just mean as we start coming to church, hearing the Word desiring the word and I wish Sandra get in there hey <laughs> she's right there yeah <laughs> she's it's just a perfect story what we're talking about that she shared with me today you know it's like I'll let her tell it but once you start hearing the word operating in the word applying the word other things then there's a cycle begins to grow I, I need whew, I need you to share what you were sharing this, this afternoon when you came up here to the church. No, what we're talking about is, is applying the word. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to go ahead. Let's, let's share. Practice for Sunday now. <laughs> In the morning, I need to be wide awake. I'm a horrible morning person. So right now you're preparing in the evening for the next day, like we've talked about and like the Word talks about. Listen to this. Now she's going to bed thinking about this now. Okay. Next morning, I had my alarm set for six thirty. I woke up at six o'clock. Wide awake. Mm. And I thought, oh, I've got thirty more minutes. So I thought, no, I don't. I'm getting up. I got up, started in the kitchen, and out loud, I said, "Good morning, Jesus." Come on. 
Come on. He was fresh, real. Mm. And I think what we forget to do... Oh, let me finish that story. So I went to work. Got, you know, showered, did my hair, went to work. We got our... We are recommended for our certification of ISO 9000. Right. Thank you, Lord. That was definitely answered prayer. But I think where most people fail, and I'm as guilty as the next person, when when it has been fulfilled and you prayed about it, we think, oh, good, it happened. We've got to thank him. Keep thinking about thanking him for it. He, we have got to thank him because, uh, but so many people, oh, well, good, it happened, you know, so that's good. Mm-hmm. And just got to apply the word for what the word says. The word says to start your night about thinking about tomorrow. Let, let, let the Holy Ghost prepare you. I don't know when the last time it was I woke up with an alarm clock. You know, usually I can tell myself I need to be up at 4.30. And I'll get up somewhere before 4.30. You know, and you can train. I mean, you can just be that, you can be that sensitive. That's why God has you snoring. Wake me up. That's right. <laughs> yes. And Crystal's learning that. Uh, Crystal was sharing with me today, too, how she's learning that, you know, if she plans her day ahead the night before, she is far better prepared for that day than if she just woke up and then tried to figure out what to do. And she's learning this on her own. I mean, she's hearing it in here, but she's reading some she's reading some other books from other authors and stuff, just biography type stuff. And she's learning. She's learn, She's hearing what we've shared in here in some of their of how they and they're very successful people, successful authors, you know, because they were able to clear their thoughts in the morning because that's where their creativity takes place is in the morning. You know, and so she's starting to see the parallel between. Some of the things, what the, the what the word's saying, and successful people. You know, being in tune with your creative side. You know, once you start your day, it starts getting cluttered real quick. And but that morning, the most important time for us to meet with God is in the morning. In the morning, it's not a religious thing that you got to spend an hour. I used to was told if you didn't spend an hour every day, you can't be blessed by God. I was blessed by God by Calvary. You know, by Jesus' obedience. Now. If I pray, it's gonna, I'm going to be more sensitive to where those blessings, how to get in line with those blessings. I have a friend of mine that says this. He says, people ask him, have asked him for years, how much time do you spend praying? He says, I spend as much time as I need to for the next day. You can pray anywhere, anytime. Yep. But he sits there, has God prepared me for... For the next day, and if his day's busy, he'll he'll pray until he's done praying for the next day. And if his day's not that, he doesn't have a set amount of time. And done, I'm out of here. You know, it's, it's just it's more just in the presence of God all the time. And the other, the other issue was every time my phone would ring in my office, 
I will always voice a prayer. Mm. Father, be with this call and give me wisdom. Wow. And I'm Instead of after the call. Yes. Thank you, Frank. But it all started at 445 in the morning. I, I, I remember the first time I ever experienced the presence of God. It had nothing. When I got saved, it was eight years old in the Holland Heights Baptist Church. I remember following my big brother to the altar because he did it. The message came forward. And I felt I needed to do it. And I went up and go Baptist, you know, did my thing. And, and I believe that I was saved at that moment. I did not experience a living, breathing presence of God until I was 17 camping in the woods by myself early in the morning while I was cooking breakfast. And it was just so, I mean, I didn't do anything to get it. It was just there. I mean, I prayed, did the good old Baptist thing, was thanking God for the food, you know, just like a Baptist does, you know. It's like, you know, because I was trained to do it as a kid. And in that prayer, I got such a presence of God came on me. The price of right. Anybody know, remember when the price of right show just came out? It's back in the day, you know what I'm saying? I was so giggly. I'm 17 years old. I'm macho. You don't get giggly. I was so giggly, I just, I couldn't hold I said, come on down! <laughs> you know, that's all I knew what to say. I mean, it was that real. And I asked him how he wanted his eggs. I mean, literally, ask God how he wanted his eggs. Out loud! Because his presence was that real. Saw my first miracle that morning. You know, not going to go into the whole story, but it was just that real by doing nothing. I mean, when you realize that it's not on what we do. And we need to learn that we, we can just be still. and We, we get so trapped in the, in the doings. And just, just like I was using the analogy, to be, to be able to sit in a car with somebody and just drive and not say a word and just enjoy their presence. Or sit by the fire with a cup of coffee and, you know, uh, two cups of coffee. Enjoy sitting back and just drinking coffee, gazing off into the fire. And me gazing off the fire thinking about joy. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, sorry about that. Honey. But, you know, and just enjoying the presence of somebody. Just being in their presence without doing something to earn it. Or scared that you're going to lose it. Oh, that's all. That's where we really need to get back to in our Christian walk. That is such a freeing and such a to know you have that kind of relationship that you can just, you know, just sit at his feet, as it said with Mary and Martha. Jesus told Martha, "There's one thing that's needful, and what Mary's doing will not be taken away from her." Is what his response was. She's got it. She's going she's gonna to have a life and a relationship with me not based on service and works, but by being together. Oh, man, that's powerful. That was the original intent. He would come down and hang out with Adam and Eve. Just being together. Being together. All right. That was just really just, that was supposed to be just the introduction, but uh, it, the, we're going to talk about the word acknowledgement. I turn to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, we're going to read quite a few scriptures. They all have a little bit of 
They all talk about the same thing, basically, but a different influence on each one. Proverbs chapter 3. I like Proverbs. That's a good book. Just to give you a little understanding how Proverbs and Psalm goes together, Psalms works this way, between God and man. Proverbs works this way, between man and man. Okay, so that's why they're, they're important. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge. Everybody say the word acknowledge. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. First of all, for God to direct your path, you have to acknowledge. Not that He's not trying to direct your path. He's trying to direct your path all the time. The key here is that you acknowledge God. Okay? Acknowledge means that acknowledges it's it's more than a it's it's a it's a, a step before honor. Acknowledge the word acknowledge literally in the Hebrew is the same word and we've talked about it before is the word no acknowledge. The word no was in acknowledge. You look it up. It says in, in any of your books it says uh, uh, tayada. Says. I gotta put my glasses back on, I'm sorry. It says, In all your ways, yada him or acknowledge him. Uh, you know, we've always prayed. Ever since we've been here, uh, you've always heard me acknowledge Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence. Holy Spirit, we honor your gift. Holy Spirit, you know, our Jesus, we honor or acknowledge your presence. You, here's a basic principle of life. You will not receive from anything or anyone that you don't acknowledge. Someone that you don't honor is trying to speak to you. And what do you say? Talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that analogy when I was getting ready for this. Speak to the hand because I ain't going to listen to you. I'm, you you stop and think about it. The people that you turn off, you don't have to turn them off if you never even acknowledge their presence. It's so important that you personalize it. Uh, this is one of the scriptures that Jay and I have used as we spoke all over the country to business people. And we read it as, in all your business. <laughs> in all your ways, yes. In all your ways. Just like every phone call that he got, he stopped and acknowledged the presence of God. Why? Because when you acknowledge, acknowledging something or someone is the first step to receiving its impact in your life. If you acknowledge a negative, if you acknowledge a symptom, it's the first step of bringing it into your life. Acknowledging is, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging. It's, it's what you're acknowledging and what you're not acknowledging. The reason people don't feel the presence of God, feel the presence of God, is first and foremost because they don't acknowledge the presence of God. Well, the Word just doesn't seem to be working in my life, or I don't, 
I'm not experiencing God like I used to or something like that. It all goes back to acknowledging. I love what Psalms 34 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. It starts off in verse 1 says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt the name. See what's happening? He's acknowledging the presence of God. There's something that happens when you just begin to acknowledge the Holy Spirit in all your ways. Now, it can start with some of your ways. I hope it gets to the point where it's all your ways. But, and, and see, that's just a scripture we just throw out there and we just say it, but we're not listening to what it's... We have a series of verses where the word acknowledgement comes up and we're going to see the effect that would have happened if they wouldn't have acknowledged or because they did acknowledge. Matter of fact, well, we'll just go ahead. We'll go to the next one. Uh, turn with me to, yep, Jeremiah 14, 20. Someone turn there real quick. Jeremiah 14, 20. I'll just go ahead and read it. It says, We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness. What are they doing? They're acknowledging it. How many people know that they sin? Everybody. But they're acknowledging. They're bringing it up. They're saying, okay, we're recognizing the fact that we have sin. We acknowledge it. In other words, they're not hiding it. We acknowledge. Now look what happens because they... We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers. For we have sinned against you. See, they had already sinned, but now what do they do? They acknowledge it. Now God can do it. Now something can happen. Matter of fact, I, I love, I, I've, I've shared this, I, I don't mean to keep repeating stories, but some stories just need to be repeated. Jonah, in the belly of the well. The scripture says he was in the moorings of the earth. Everybody heard me, heard me share this, right? He's in the moorings of the earth. He's... His prayer is, you know, how bad things are, how bad. And at the end of he talks at the end of him whining and complaining, what's he do? He remembers his God. And remembering is a type and a fashion of acknowledging. He, oh, in the midst of my circumstance, I acknowledge the presence of God. And he came out of the well. He was going to come out of the well one way or the other. You got everybody understands that, right? Yeah. Vomit was the best word. <laughs> and there's a whole lot more pressure coming out the little bitty hole. Can I say that in church? That's, that's a that's Bible. That's a good preacher. Say, that's good preaching. That's good. All right, now we can't go out here and say he was... Okay. But he remembered his God. He acknowledged God. He acknowledged the presence of God. I tell you what, you begin to walk into this church building every Sunday, every time you walk in... Just not this, but acknowledge the presence of God when you walk home. Well, when you walk into your house. How come you don't experience God in your house? We're not acknowledging Him. That's how simple it is. You want acknowledge God in your business? You want God in your business? Acknowledge Him. You want God in any situation? You want God in all your ways? You'll see how it works. 
In all your ways, does that mean while you're sinning? Is sin in some of your ways? Acknowledge God in your sin next time. You won't keep sinning. <laughs> Reach out to steal that candy bar and acknowledge God in your presence. Uh, come on. All right. Uh, I'll just read this one. Uh, this is, I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offenses. Then they will seek my face. When will they seek his face? When they acknowledge. Come on. See, things happen when you acknowledge. Uh, Hosea uh, 5.15 In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. Stuff begins to happen. Here's another, in, in, uh, I believe this is Colossians. Uh, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God. That word knew is the same word as acknowledge. Or the, it's, the, it's the same thing. It's, it's a, you have to, right here where it says, knew or acknowledge the grace of God in truth. We need to acknowledge. Here's another scripture. Which none of the rulers of this age knew. They didn't know it. For they had... Uh, for they ha for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't know. They, had not, they, hadn't, they hadn't acknowledged. They didn't have information to acknowledge. Because if they would have had information and acknowledged who Jesus was, they wouldn't have killed Him. I mean, it, what we do is a result of what we've acknowledged in our life. I tell you what, I have said for years, and I'll say it again, I can stand in the middle of a coven of witches, and they can take all the samples of hair they want to, put my picture on them. I don't care what kind of candles they use or what kind of stars they draw on the ground, whether it has goat's heads or any other kind of stuff. I'm not going to even acknowledge they have anything. They ain't got nothing. All authority has been given unto Jesus. They have none. They, don't have no, they can't put a curse on something. You can only put a curse on somebody that will acknowledge the curse is real. A curse will only go to a person where there's a home for it. Guess what? The Word will only work in a person where there's a home for it. Mm. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. 2 Timothy says this, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know. I know. That's the word gnosko. It's the same word in the Greek as it means in, the, as in Yada in Hebrew. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. See, him knowing or acknowledging God gave him a life of knowing God 
And in the life of knowing God, he was persuaded that he is able to keep all that which he had committed unto him against that day. He wasn't able to be committed. He wasn't able, he wasn't being fully persuaded. Let me just read the whole thing. For this reason I, uh, this is 2 Timothy 1.12. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him against that day. His persuasion was in a total reference or was a result of him knowing. That the word the word gnos the word the word in Greek is gnosko, and it's the same word excuse me, it means the same thing as the word yada, the word know in Hebrew. So you have two different words because of two different languages but they mean the same thing, okay? It's the same word as where Adam knew Eve. Adam had an intimate, personal relationship with Eve, and they had children. That's what it means. Depart from me, for I never... It says, I never knew, I don't, do not know man. I've never had intimate personal relationship with. That's the same yada, yes. See how cool that is? It's to that intensity. It's the same intensity where Jesus said, Depart from me, for I never, never yada. I never acknowledge, you never acknowledged me, and I never acknowledged you. Wow. That's strong. Ephesians chapter 6. Whom I have, uh, 6 verse 22. Whom I have sent to you for this very purpose. Now just, this is just a basic people to people thing here. Whom I have sent to you for this very purpose that you may know our affairs. See, Paul sent somebody to the church at Ephesus to tell them about the affairs of Paul. Because with the knowledge... They could, they could affirm, they could acknowledge what God's doing in his life. See, when you hear testimonies, what, what does that do? That acknowledge, you're, they're making an acknowledgement that God is working in someone's life and it brings encouragement to you and everybody's acknowledging God's presence or God's ability and God's word when someone gives a testimony. Okay? And this is all part of what we're talking about tonight, and we're going to talk about the speaking here in a second. But as you speak the words of God, that means you're acknowledging His words exist. By use in your prayers, when you pray, we're going to be having Bible studies over at Laura's house. Everybody's welcome. We don't know when yet, but they're going to happen. And we're going to acknowledge the Holy Spirit before we, as we start. Because the Holy Spirit's in us. We bring Him with us. He's everywhere. And we're going to be speaking about the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is righteous, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. So where do we want to be? In the Holy Ghost. Okay? Huh? And at Laura's house. <laughs> That's true. She says she can make some good coffee, so we're going to find it. Come on, girl. All right. This moves us into the next thing. See, when you take these kind of things, 
acknowledging, see, Mary acknowledged but the Mary and Martha story. Mary acknowledged the presence of Jesus. Martha acknowledged the service that needed to be done. So she was drawn to what she acknowledged and what got her attention. Because the scripture said she was distracted. That means she was supposed to be here, but she was distracted to something else. In other words, she acknowledged what needed to be done instead of who needed to be with. Okay? Got got the picture? So, now you have Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, acknowledging this is... And Jesus even said, this is what He wants. Doesn't mean you're not going to do things. Doesn't mean you're not going to serve. But when you do things and when you serve, you're going to know that you're doing them and you're going to serve according to His will for your life. But it's going to come from a relationship of being. Never let what you do interfere with this. Okay? Now, in that, you never hear Jesus talking to Mary. In this scenario of, of Mary and Martha, you hear Jesus talking to Martha. Mary's just sitting there enjoying His presence. Jesus talks about Mary, but you, you never hear her in this scenario talking about to Mary. Okay? But what Mary is learning is the communication or the language of God. And that's where we, especially kingdom-minded, everybody in here kingdom-minded? Okay? Especially us in, with, with kingdom mentalities need to understand that there is a kingdom language. There's a kingdom way of communication. The scripture says, when you speak, speak with the oracles of God. That word oracles, the, the, the little Greek word that we derive the word oracles from, is also the beginning word for the word logic. So it's just not the, it's just not quoting scripture. It's when you speak, speak. It talks about someone that's full of wisdom and can, can portray it very eloquently. But it's not portraying eloquently just information. He is speaking the logic of God. The word logos. Everybody understand? Have heard the teaching about the rhema and the logos? The rhema is supposed to be the spoken word of God. The logos is supposed to be the written. Where the written word really isn't, that's not really what it is. The logos really means logos comes from the same word as oracles. And it means the logic of God. It's just not the words on paper. It's not memorizing the paper. It's about understanding why the words are on the paper. You know, what's in between the lines? What's the wisdom of God? It says, when you speak, speak the wisdom or the logic of the... See, the word is very logical within His kingdom. Is it logical out here in this world? No. It's backwards. And the world says, keep everything you can keep. And hold on to it and hoard it till the end. And you'll have more than anybody else. God's word says give. And it shall be given. It's totally back. The kingdom principles are totally backwards. But see, what are we acknowledging in our life? What we know from the world? Or what we know from the word? Because you will get what you acknowledge. If you don't acknowledge the Word, you won't get it. You can come to church for 30 years. Listen to sermons all your life. But if you don't acknowledge it and do it, 
Now she's learning. She's learning that the more she just applies what the Word says, the more she's going to experience it in her life. God's no respecter of persons. We can all experience His Word the same if we would just all acknowledge it the same. Yeah, our history. Our history is the problem. It's not about your history. It's about God's future. I mean, that, that, that's where it needs to be. You know, Abraham, the father of our faith, didn't do what he did because of his past. He did because of his future. He didn't do it for his... See, when we... I tell you what, if you can ever get your... If you can ever get your life to look beyond your present, most of us just are believing God for enough to pay our bills. Well, that's the problem. We're just believing God for enough to pay our bills. Start believing enough to set an inheritance aside so our children's bills can be paid. Amen. See the difference? It's all believing God. It's no harder to believe for your bills to be paid than your children's bills to be paid. I really want to leave an inheritance for my children. A financial one. I always wanted to be my children's bank. Well, I'm their bank. I'm just not drawing any interest. <laughs> we are working on that, girl. Come on now. We're going to get out some forms on you. No, just kidding. Just kidding. You know. <laughs> you know, why can't a family be their own insurance? You know, instead of paying in all the money to the insurance, not that I don't get insurance, bro, you know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying, just to be able to insure your own family. You know, you got 100 people in your family, everybody paying their dividends into the, the family insurance fund every month instead of paying it to someone else. I guarantee you, within 100 people, pe people paying their regular, there's going to be enough to take care of the stuff that goes on in the family. Oops. That's a new way of living. But you got to have vision for it got to have a plan you got to you got a purpose and you can believe God for that so all right let's go on so basically what was going on with Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus she was communing see communing doesn't mean you have to be speaking you just have to be in the presence there's something that happens when you are able to sit in the presence of somebody and not say a thing See, in the book of Revelations, everybody turn to Revelations chapter 3. We've read this before. We're going to read it again. There's so many of these scriptures that come up time and time again. That means you need to underline them because they're that important. If we keep talking about like Proverbs 4, 20 through 24, you need to underline that in your Bible. Just memorize it. That way you don't have to turn your pages all the time. In Revelations chapter 3, he's talking to the church, the lukewarm church. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's not talking to people that need to be saved. He's not talking to anybody but people that are in the church. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. That is communion. In other words, there are people in the church that are lukewarm, and the reason they're lukewarm is because they're not communing with Jesus. And Jesus is knocking on the door of their hearts saying, I want to be in your presence. 
I just want to be with you and you with me. The scripture says, if you abide in me, right? And I abide in you. That's communion. Well, I'm saved. That's not what it's talking about. Abiding is a word that means life. It means energy. It's a transference. You know, if there's not sap running through the vines, the branches fall off. There's no fruit gets produced. When you're abiding, there's sap flowing between two people. There's, there's something that's happening there. There's energy. You don't have to be speaking. You don't have to be doing. But there, there's, there's a relationship that has an intimate, personal. There's some yada going on. There's some gnosko. There's some interpersonal relationship being built between you and Jesus. When you're abiding with Him and He's abiding with you. You know, when He's knocking on the door and you say, Yes, come into my heart. He's not saying, Come into my head. He was already in their head. He wants to get in our heart. He wants to abide with us every day, all day, and any day. In all of our ways, we need to acknowledge Him. And I'm not just saying, okay, God, this is yours, you can have it. No, God, walk with me, be with me. Guide my steps. You know, show me, lead me, guide me. Holy, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Holy Spirit came to be our comforter, our helper. The scripture even says angels are sent to, sent to us to minister to the, to the ones that um, inherit salvation. And that's us. Angels are sent on our behalf. We just... We need to acknowledge the, the, acknowledge the realm of the Spirit. Ooh. Acknowledge the gift. The Scripture says to desire the gift of prophecy. When was the last time we desired... I say we, so I don't want to point... When was desired that people, people in the body of Christ desired the prophetic gift? The Bible says desire it. Right, Frank? Earnestly desire it. To desire it, you've got to acknowledge it exists. You've got to acknowledge it's real. You've got to acknowledge it's from God. And you've got to say, oh God, bring it on. May I just not be a receiver, but may, may I be a giver. May I just not receive the gift of prophecy, but may I give the prophetic. It's one thing to receive it. Everybody wants the word of the prophetic. It's nothing for you to speak. It's the oracles of God. That's what a prophet does. Speaks the oracles of God. Mm -mm -mm. Tell you, this falls too much together. It's just too cool. Behold, I stand at the door knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, dine with him, and he with me. I like what, I mean, it just came to me on Sunday. The scripture I used to always say, it says, I must decrease so he might increase. You know, I said, did you hear me say that on Sunday? I don't know how long I said that that way. And the way I acknowledged the word was the way I was thinking I had to grow up. Or, I mean, I had to decrease so he could increase. That it was up to me to decrease myself so God could get bigger. Until someone showed me that's not what the scripture said. I said, yes, it is. And they said, no, it's not. That's not I'm, yes, no, it's not. We went, and they showed me. And it says, he must increase. So I can decrease. I'll never be able to decrease if I don't realize who he is. The more I realize who he is, 
the more I can let go of me. And that's what we're trying in heart physics. That's exactly what we're talking about. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Not me in Christ. Not me in Christ is the hope of glory. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Man, when you get a hold of that, really, you've heard me, I mean, I almost want to cry. When the church finally gets a hold of that, I don't mean river, I mean the church body as a whole, gets a hold of that scripture that's Christ in me is the hope of glory. That God put Christ in me. And that is his hope for this world, for the glory of God to be manifest in this world. I just got to let him out. I got to get God in my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions. I get get Jesus in there. You know, Jesus even said that, that to his disciples, there's things I want you to know, but you can't comprehend it because the Holy Spirit hadn't come to teach you. So if you don't acknowledge the Holy Ghost, who do we acknowledge as the great teacher in this place? The Holy Spirit. And why have you been learning? Because the Holy Spirit's been teaching. My job is just to stir your thinking. And can I stir your thinking? I can stir some people's thinking. He sure. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there, all of a sudden, a little light goes on. When you least expect it, it's like, oh. Has that happened to anybody? It's like the light comes on. He is teaching you. If you were just acknowledge Him as the teacher. He is the comforter. If you're going through a sad period of time, acknowledge Him as the comforter. Holy Spirit, you, you, and well, that doesn't mean physical comfort. Bull honky. Is that, is that good Christian cussing right there? I'm trying to be nice. Uh, in, in the desert, when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, what were they led by at night? A pillar? You're from the south, I understand. Pillar, pillar, pillar of fire. I, just, I, just, I, get, I get called the same thing when I was up north. Pillar of fire. Cloud by day, right? How hot does it get in the desert at daytime? How did you know when you weren't in the presence of where you're supposed to be? You'd be hot. How do you know when you were in the presence of where you're supposed to be? Using the shade. Physical comfort. At night, does it get hot or cold in the desert? The closer you are to the warmth, the closer to where you're supposed to be. Mm, he is called the great comforter. Now, I'm not talking about that top layer of mattress. I'm just you. It covers. <laughs> I'm sorry, darling. It just came out. <laughs> Sometimes I can't help it. Alright. So there's a language of God. It's the way God speaks. And how does God speak? Do anybody find that scripture about speaking to those things that are not as though they are? Anybody find that? My concordance went back to the nursery. Everybody know the scripture I'm talking about? Yeah. The scripture says that faith speaks those things that are not as though they are. It doesn't, faith does not speak to those things are not, that, are, uh, that are as they are not. That's lying. You understand the difference? The difference? Faith does not say the things that are not, I mean that are, aren't that way. Faith says 
the way things are supposed to be and the way things are, despite what they're like. Okay? We speak the things that have already been accomplished. We speak the things that have already been established. The same way, if I walk over pointing to that tree and ask you when was Jesus crucified, you're going to tell me he was crucified at Calvary, but he was slain when? Before the earth was even created. See, the language of God is that he finishes something before he even starts it. So when we speak the oracles of God, faith always speaks to what God's already done. We acknowledge, we acknowledge what He's already done so it will be made manifested here in this place. Okay? The Bible says that the works that Jesus did were preordained before the foundations of the world. So the works that were already preordained, Jesus came and fulfilled them. He made them happen here on earth. We're supposed to speak the, as the oracles of God. See, the language of God is to speak those things that are already taking place in the heavenlies and get them to be manifested in the flesh. Most of us speak, most of us do this. We tell God about our problems instead of telling our problems about our God. The Bible says to speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed. It doesn't say tell God about your problems and beg Him to take care of it. Anybody pray like that recently? Don't raise your hand. But I know we all do. Because we all have old ways of thinking and old ways of praying that we need to overcome. But unless you acknowledge the fact that you need to overcome them, you won't ever know that you need to overcome them. You won't have the power. You won't have the wisdom. You need to acknowledge in all my ways, acknowledge Him. Father, in all my ways, I acknowledge You. And just don't say that. But Father, in my prayer life, life, I acknowledge You. Holy Spirit, teach me how to pray. Most of us pray the way we were taught as eight years old. Now I'll let... No, I won't go there. Yeah, well, I will. No, I won't. That's, that's a bad prayer. Anyway, we need to acknowledge God, God in all of our ways. God, show me how to pray. Show me how to worship. Teach me how to do. Show me how to be still in your presence. I acknowledge your presence. Now show me how to be still. Get me past my works. Get me past my insecurities. Most of us don't trust ourselves to be good enough in God's presence without doing something in it. The hardest thing we've ever experienced in worship, we can get people to dance. We can get people to raise their hands. We can get people to twirl. As, as, but to be still with no instruments, no noise, and everybody just being quiet. We were probably quiet for 30 seconds. And you could feel it wanting to scream out already because we're not comfortable unless something is going on. We've timed it in church. We've never, never made it past five minutes to be still in the presence of God. Mm. I tell you, it's a, it's a strange feeling to be still, not doing nothing. But that's a total surrender right there if you want total surrender. Redemption. 
The plan of redemption that God had in His heart was done before the foundations of the world and Jesus just came. Look at, look, let's turn to the book of First. Oh, we already talked about that. First Peter 4.11 talks about speaking the oracles of God. Matter of fact, let's just go ahead and read it so you know what's in there. First Peter. Sometimes I assume that we all know everything. First Peter 4.11. It says this. Matter of fact, I'm going to read it verse, uh, start with verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sin, being hospitable. Well, listen to these gifts. What's it tell us to do? Do we need to explain what the word hospitable means? Being hospitable to one another without grumbling. Oh, they're coming over to my house. Oh, dang it. I want to spend the night in front of the TV. <laughs> Did I just say that? No, that was Ed. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 10. As each one has received a gift minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Grace is, when we respond to God's ability, we're responding to grace. We're becoming responsible. We're responding to His ability. Grace is God's ability and my inability. And so when we speak, we're not speaking our opinion. Don't give someone your opinion. Give them what the Word says. Give them the wisdom and the logic of the Word. Because your wisdom and your logic got you what you got. You understand? We need to, we don't have, see an ambassador, does everybody understand the concept of being an ambassador? An ambassador to some country, if I'm an, if I'm an American and I'm in France, I don't have the right to speak to anybody in the land of France my opinion. As long as I'm an ambassador, I can only speak what my country speaks. I can't give, well, I think, an ambassador cannot say, well, I think. He says, my king or my country says this. He speaks with the oracles of the country he represents. We're ambassadors. The scripture calls us ambassadors. We're not of this. We're, we're foreigners in this land. We're ambassadors from the kingdom in this land. And we speak the oracles. We speak what God thinks. We speak His wisdom, His logic. His, His scripture needs to come out of our mouth, not our opinion of it. His logic, His wisdom. Okay? And it goes on in James 2.12. Look what it says here. This is a good scripture too. James 2.12. It says this. Oh, if you've never seen this scripture, you need to underline it. I'm going to sell highlighters back in the bookstore when we get it going. So speak, and so do. Anybody want to know what to do? 
Anybody know, want, want to know what to speak in life and what to do in life? Listen. So speak and so do as those who will be judged. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yep, I got to speak according to, uh, like I'm going to be judged. I got to speak, I'm, the things I got to do, I got to do because I'm going to be judged. Listen to what it says. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. How many people want to be judged according to the law of liberty? Or would you rather be judged by the Ten Commandments? Which one? <laughs> this says that there's a law of liberty. And it's telling us under the New Covenant that we need to speak and do as if we're going to be judged according to the law of liberty. Oh, that's powerful right there. How are you supposed to speak? According to the law of liberty. You supposed to put people under the law? Nope, put them under liberty. That's powerful. If you don't get it, you will later. Again, the Bible speaks, the language of the kingdom is speaking those things that are not as though they are. If they're not lying up to God's word, you say that they are. You speak it into existence. You declare it. You acknowledge it. You're healed in Jesus' name. You're not saying that you're not sick. That's lying. You're just saying that you're healed. People just go around, snot running out of their nose, you know. I'm not sick, you liar. It's not that you're not... Listen, you speak the Word. It says, I'm healed. In spite of your sickness, I'm healed. Oh, you'll get it. Never mind. All right, let's stand up. In your heart, there's a place called rest and peace. And I believe with all my heart that that is a place that we can all get to. That we can just be at the feet of Jesus and just enjoy His presence. Some people, and I'm not saying this is wrong, I'm just saying they're missing out. I believe they're missing out. Some people can't sit still and just meditate, contemplate, think. Think about the things of God. They can't do it. They're just too busy. They, got, they're just, they can't sit still and just be still. See, by us being still, we, we're acknowledging that God is God. By us being busy, we're God. Just be still. Just take a moment out of the day, preferably at night before you go to bed and in the morning before you get busy. Stop. Go to bed at night and say, God, I acknowledge your presence. Prepare me for the next day. Speak to me as I sleep. I thank you for what you've done for me and your word that's working in my life. I acknowledge your presence as I sleep and I will acknowledge your presence in the morning when I wake. And guess what? In the morning when you wake up, you're probably going to be thinking about God. Because you know what? He wants you to be thinking. He's just waiting for you to acknowledge Him. Mm. Father, we thank You for this opportunity. We really do. We thank You for this opportunity to talk about You in this place. To talk about Your Word, Your wisdom, and Your logic of Your Word. And how it is Your heart, it is Your passion to be a part of our everyday lives and all that we do. And so we acknowledge you in all our ways. Please, Holy Spirit, teach us. 
Begin a process of discipleship. Begin a process of, of relate, relationship with you that we can really, really, really learn how to be at peace with you, to sit at your feet, not get caught up with all the doings around us, but sit at your feet knowing it's okay. That it is okay just to be here and be still with you. And learn the power of being in your presence. Being one with you. That there's such a relationship that you desire that you just want to be with us. And we want to be with you. You're not trying to get us to cry out uncle. You're trying to get us to cry out father. Help us through this process, Holy Ghost. We submit it to you and we're confident that you're working in us right now. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And remember, if you apply it, you'll probably receive it, just like Sandra did. If you do it, you'll get it.